All right. Hey, everybody, we're live. Yes. We are live everywhere. Well, not everywhere because I did not spend any time working on YouTube slash Twitch, although this whole week was shot. Uh, oh, I taught my first Reaper class today. This Not today, this week. Oh, well, good. Uh, How'd that go? When I had no voice, so that was a bit rough. Uh, but I realized I didn't really have a voice until 10 o'clock that morning. Like, I'm like, Oh, it'll, it'll clear up. You know, and I'm sure you know how that can go. Oh, it'll mm-hmm. get better. I'm not worried about it. 10 o'clock in the morning. I teach at one. I'm like, this, this is not going to clear up, but I can't cancel now. It's too late to cancel. So, uh, bared through it. I appreciated people's patience with me, my voice while we did it, uh, went pretty well. I got some good feedback from some people. I realized teaching Reaper in four weeks is a heck of a lot more uh, than what I anticipated. I thought, oh, I could teach this easily in four weeks. And then I start talking about, you know, uh, tracks and items and stuff like that. And I'm like, wait, they don't even know what those are. And that's the hard part about teaching is breaking things down so everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Starting from a logical point that you can pick up everybody in the class and move forward regardless of where they are. Like, obviously, some people are going to be beyond that that very first couple of classes but you're going to have a lot of people where either they're they're all of this information is new to them or you're going to clarify some things for them mm-hmm. that they weren't you know didn't have a full understanding of so yeah teaching a class is a lot harder i think than some people expect it is and you've you've done a little bit of this before so you kind of it's just i'm betting somewhat of a shocker because your usage of reaper is so uh integrated at this point that oftentimes having to take that step back and even dealing with i think a class of people that have used audio editors uh if they haven't used something like reaper before but they've been using more simpler audio recording slash editing tools like an Amadeus Pro, which a lot of Mac people have used in the past, or some of the simpler things on Windows, which I don't know any of those because I didn't do any audio editing on Windows. Goldwave, that's the answer for everything. Prior to Windows, I was familiar with Goldwave. When I first took a look at Goldwave, the only time I took a look at Goldwave was probably 08, 09 or something, and I, 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 I couldn't make any sense of it, so I just left it alone. Um but yeah, I think some people, even that have used those editors in the past, Reaper is still a cut above that and not just his feature set, but the professional way that it works, because that is more analogous to something like a Logic Pro or uh, Adobe Audition, more the more professional level tools where you have tracks, you have items within those tracks, uh, you have takes, you got to arm your tracks like <laughs> I still always go back <laughs> off the times when I'd have to do something in Reaper. I got to armor track. Like I don't really forget to armor track except occasionally I hit R and realize I didn't arm the tracks after I set everything up. And that'll always make me think of one of my early conversations with Tamir at Sweetwater, which at this point was probably about 10 years ago. Uh, and I was trying to figure out how to do something with Amadeus Pro and like, how would I pull in one of the other channels on this mixer or something? He was like, well, did, did you arm the track? And I was like, did I do what? <laughs> Cause I had no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. 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 But it, it, it turned out pretty good. We had five people, uh, including Marty. So not, not horribly bad. Um, and hopefully I, I, 
I realize that the numbers are going to be down because it's literally in the middle of the day, West Coast time. Uh, on the way home, it's at 1 p.m. West Coast time, so 4 p.m. Eastern. So I get that the participation isn't going to be that high. We are sending all uh, Club Unmute members the recordings of the class. And then what I also did is I did a bonus piece of content on that same day that said it was me walking through the process of me putting together the project because I also went over setting your paths and um, saving your project and making sure that everything converts to flack. And then I showed people how to set that as your default. So you, all you have to do is hit control SF on windows, command SF on Mac, type in the name and hit enter because then you don't have to go set any of those check boxes or anything. Cause they're your defaults. So after the class I showed, here's how I set up the recording of week one project in Reaper. And then I walked them through uh, with voiceover and yeah, so it's it's coming coming along. I'm probably going to go re-record some of it for the evergreen version of the material because we are planning to have an evergreen version of this. Um, I just don't want people to have to listen to my voice uh, as bad as it was on on Wednesday. It was it was pretty bad, but still still pushed through it and uh, made made that happen. And I've been using Pages more, which is interesting. Uh, I tried to use Google Docs and. Yeah, I went to Pages because I don't want to pay for Microsoft Office right now. Yeah, yeah. Google Docs is a whole other thing. It, it is an amazing accomplishment that I still, from everything I can tell, which I haven't actually tested the, the iWork online stuff in a long time, uh, probably since they first released it. But by all accounts, nobody else has actually caught up to Google with how fluently Google Docs can work. Except that there's always an off and on accessibility thing with the Google Docs, which is annoying. And it keeps me from doing so much that I would prefer to do in Docs or Sheets because it's online and it's easily be easily shareable. And you don't have to worry about if the person is on the Mac or on Windows. Um, so I think the problem I ran into was I brought a Word document into Google Docs and there was some funkiness with that. Like uh, half of words were missing and <laughs> lines weren't fully across and and it was it was weird. For the most part though, Google Docs isn't horrible. I think the problem is is no one has standardized on Google Docs. So you're always bringing formats into Google Docs and then uh, exporting to different formats, uh, which is, is not going to be the best process. Now, if, if the whole world could just live in Google Docs and you could just send someone a link to a Google Doc and there not be some weird permission issues and stuff, I think that would be better. But it's, it's going in and out of Google Docs that I think is a big struggle. Yeah. Oftentimes what I'll do if I need to bring something into and like I have to work in docs or there's not really going to be another option but I'm starting from say a word doc first off I open up that word doc in uh what is it a text edit um on the mac and just select all and then go paste that into docs uh because I haven't actually what I run into with docs and maybe it's because I, I default to safari most of the time Mm. Uh, sometimes Safari is you're like, oh man, this is Google Docs. It's great. And you're just flying through it, doing stuff. Same with Sheets. Like I'm just going through it, doing stuff. And then sometimes I open up a Google Doc or a Sheet and it's like, man, I don't, 
I don't even like I can't read what I know is there. Like I know stuff is there, but I can't read it. Uh, but I, I experienced similar issues with it in uh, honestly at this point, Brave, because I still have it set up Chrome on the computer because I just haven't because I can just open up Brave. And, like it's already set up at least so that one password is integrated and all of that. I got to go through the whole setup process with Google Chrome and I just hadn't done it yet. I don't like Edge. Like I've tried to like it. I've tried to use it. I just don't like it. So it's just too cluttered. Like there's just way too much junk in there. I think. Yeah. Uh, now I am using Chrome in Windows because that I finally got tired of dealing with Edge in Windows because I was using Edge mostly in Windows. I think I used Edge the entire time I've been running the VM. So about a year, I gave Edge a good year in Windows, which to me is its most native platform. It's a default browser. Yada yada. Uh, but yeah, I got to a point that I just couldn't deal with all the clutter and like I need to go deactivate this feature because there was an update and this needs to go away. Why do you keep doing this? Um, so uh, Chrome and Windows has been what I've been using. I haven't used the docs and Windows uh, nearly as much. Uh, as I probably should, because I, I imagine that it's probably at least a little bit more consistent there. Mm, but, you know, you're already on the Mac. Windows isn't open. So yeah. you end up in the Safari. So I think it might have been you or Marty or someone who suggested to me to turn the volume down on my uh, voiceover. And I've been running voiceover at between 20 and 40%, usually closer to the 20% marker. And how you, how I've been doing it is the VO shift command right arrow to get over to volume and then VO shift command uh, up and down arrow. I was on a uh, call today about the Mac and uh, I like those calls because I learned things while teaching other people things, because on the Mac, you're always learning something new. And someone made an offhanded comment, and they said, yeah, I just use the uh, keyboard commander and uh, do shift hyphen and equals to turn up the vo- up and down the volume, because if you press VO hyphen and equals, that'll turn up and down your system volume, which, side note, when you're running a uh, sound source, that doesn't, at least with my audio setup, seem to work, but that's not like the, it says that the volume is decreasing, but I don't notice any difference. However, what that did teach me is that's right. You don't have to just use letters and numbers in the note in the keyboard commander. You can use the shift key uh, with your right option key. And so now right option shift minus turns my voiceover volume down right off chin shift equals turns my voiceover volume up so i can quickly adjust that when i need to and that that was that was pretty cool it's little things like that that you remember oh you you can do that hmm. i actually hadn't thought about that because i don't use that shortcut for anything else it's just i've gotten so used to you know the initial way i learned it which is that that finger those finger gymnastics you know can vo command shift yeah but then if you're on a phone call in parallels and you just want to turn voiceover down, it's like, I don't want to deal with all this. And Windows is picking up some of these keystrokes and this is doing some weird things. It's only happened to me a couple of times, but hopefully now that'll that'll let me easily adjust my volume. The problem with assigning your own custom keystrokes that you haven't used for a decade now is uh, you, forget you forget that, that that's there. a keystroke. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what happens. Uh, VO. So if if it's not actually adjusting your volume with the with the VO, what is it actually? VO minus and equals. Yeah. yeah, 
could be because you route it sound source. I mean, route it your output through an actual device. Yeah, that's exactly it. what happened. Like yeah. all all my audio is routed somewhere. It seems like. Yeah, but I use that a lot. I jumped into Zoom meeting the other day. I'm like, why is it? Oh, it's SoundSource. I was going to figure out why Zoom was coming out of my MacBook speakers. Yeah. So for a while, I was using SoundSource to adjust voiceovers. And this is probably six, seven, eight months ago. I got into the habit of using SoundSource to adjust uh, voiceover volume. And I don't know what made me go back to using the shortcut. Other than it was more efficient, but or something that made me do it, I think, because I couldn't get to sound source fast enough or something at some point. I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot this is a thing." <laughs> uh, let me use that. But yeah, I like the idea of using keyboard commanders for some of these often used voiceover commands that are, you know, about four or five ish keys that you yeah. have to press. You need both hands and your left foot to get them all. Yeah. <laughs> So what's new with you? Well, um, I was very close to walking out of the BEP program uh, this week. Yeah, uh, I wasn't yeah. sure if you wanted to talk about that, so I wasn't going to bring that up. But <laughs> you know, we're going to talk about it because <laughs> this is the show, man. This is the show. So I'm I'm going to skip over some of the details. Um, and it wasn't anything specific with the program itself. It was just a combination of me being extraordinarily stressed, um, extremely sleep deprived, um, and honestly, probably suffering from a little bit of malnourishment. Now, I'm just taking a wild stab guess at that last thing because I'm not certain of that. But I do know I've been eating pretty horribly. When I say horribly, I mean I've been getting maybe one decent meal every three to four days mm. uh, everything outside of that has been me just making it work with you know a salad or a sandwich some chips and, and a lot of healthier type snacks but still snacks you know snacks. granola bar here uh, a sandwich you know cold cut sandwich made there um, you know handful of peanuts here and there throughout the day things like that uh, you know maybe a decent breakfast sandwich every now and then but you know that's a lot of egg and, and whatnot so uh, egg and cheese basically on some bread uh, so just all of that sort of piled up on me in, in addition to just just like I said primary factors were stress and low-level irritations and annoyances finally getting to a point on Wednesday where I was like, man, I can't deal with it. Also realized, uh, I think I discussed this, the trick that I was using when I have to work to register in the cafe was to use the listen-through or hear-through mode. Yeah, uh, live listen. With iPhone. Yeah, live listen. Uh, and putting the phone as close as I could get it to the speaker of this little square tablet and using an earbud. I realized on Wednesday... It was the last time I used it. Thursday, I worked to register to for breakfast, but I didn't use that. And I actually was less stressed after that breakfast, uh, 30 minute breakfast checkout process, uh, because I didn't use that. And I realized on Wednesday, not, not Wednesday when I was getting ready to walk out, just later on Wednesday evening that I was dealing with a lot of cognitive load and Mike, you'll understand this. And the best way I can explain to anybody else is like, consider you, you put in an earbud, you know, your typical earbud, like you would use to listen to your music or your, your podcast, or even have a phone call, but connected to that earbud is a really good microphone that you drop in the middle of a cafe full of people. 
and with freezers that are running compressors and, you know, potentially a uh, indoor electric griddle that has a, a, a hood fan running over it. Right. But you've dropped this extremely good microphone. That's not directional. Like it's not a shotgun mic at all. It's just a fairly decent condenser ish microphone, you know, picking up all this out. So you have your earbud in and all of this is coming through your ear magnified, but you're also hearing it in the other ear at normal levels because, you know, you don't have that ear blocked up. So not only are you hearing things, but you're hearing them twice. Some of them magnified to a ridiculous level. Um, so somebody's down here working the griddle and they're using the side of a spatula to mm. bust the yolk of an egg. And it's like somebody's sticking a goddamn pin in my ear. Uh-huh. Yep. Sensory overload, I imagine. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I realized on Wednesday that like I, I, I walked out, like I, I took a break right after we finished breakfast and I walked out and I took a long walk around the campus. <laughs> uh, I called T and I was like, look, I'm in a you know, pretty jacked up mood at the moment. Like, I don't know how it's going to play out the rest of the day. I need to see. Um, but just in case you don't hear from me for the rest of the day, like there's nothing you did. I'm just in a bad mood and I don't want to take it out on you. So I'm just letting you know kind of right now what's what's going on and that I'm OK. Generally, like I ain't done nothing. I ain't about to do nothing stupid, I don't think. But if you don't hear from me for the rest of the day, like don't don't, you know, feel any sort of way about it because uh, yeah. it's not you. It's me and I don't want to take out my bad mood on you. Uh, I dropped a message at some point in Slack letting you guys know I wasn't going to make the meeting. I did sort of kind of halfway end up lying, saying that I wasn't going to be back on campus, but I wasn't in a mood to talk to anybody, and I didn't really want to try to explain it. So that was the quickest means of me moving that meeting. Yep. Uh, and now we're being real honest. We'll really find out if JJ listens to the show. That <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. I'm not worried about it. So, uh, but I did need to move everything around. Like, I, I, I couldn't really frame any sort of thoughts at that point because I needed to figure out what I was going to do but I was very close to walking out some of the irritations that are there like I said I'm going to go into all the minor details one because I don't want to be naming people's names in certain situations but there's some some general issues that I think some that everybody could potentially understand especially if you have been blind for any reasonable length of time and you consider yourself or you are a fairly independent person I'm used to the low expectations or the shock that seems to hit sighted people in the general community because I'm a blind person that is doing things that they can't imagine a blind person doing because they've never been blind. So in their mind, these things are a lot more difficult than they actually are. Now, sometimes they are as difficult as they think they are, but you still got to get it done. So you do it anyway. But mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a point of like they they're not blind. So everything is, is is such a horror at being blind in the first place. They can't imagine themselves doing anything except sitting in that one spot that they would sit in until somebody comes along and moves them. I'm used to that. I don't like it. It's an irritation, but. I'm used to it because it's the general public. And it's sort of like when you find out somebody else with a different disability, one, how they cope with things and what they're dealing with. And two, that they were able to accomplish this. And you're like, I have no idea how I would do that. I'm not as shocked and awestruck as 
you know, non-disabled individuals are, but I'm used to that, that sort of behavior. And I've also come to understand as I've matured and worked on personal growth over the years that I'm also not responsible for one, trying to prove to the rest of the sighted world that, hey, I'm just as capable as you. Two, neither am I really the spokesperson for all blind people walking the face of of this earth, right? That's not my responsibility. Um, I can do my part to attempt to educate people, but I am still a human being just like everybody else. And some days I don't feel like explaining nothing to nobody. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are polite ways and there are not polite ways to get that across to people, but that's, those are the facts. What I'm not, what I was not really prepared for. And in retrospect, Maybe I should have been more prepared for it than I was, but I wasn't really prepared for dealing with that sort of treatment from a staff and people associated with a uh, organization slash training programs on a campus that caters to people with different needs. Some of them being blind or low vision, some of them being deaf, some of them having other cognitive issues. But I still get the same sort of, I'm going to say overall treatment that you get in the regular world, which is, and you get even around some blind people, right? If a person has some usable vision that they can actually use to do things with and they're not relying on Braille and speech and all of that to get around, they're seen as more capable. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. And again, regular world, used to it. Inside of a space like this, a training facility that that is there to, you know, uh, train up blind people, people with different disabilities, not so much expected to have to deal with that. I I expect on a micro level to deal with it with certain people. Right. That seems to be personality in some instances. uh Yeah, it's it's, it's a personality thing, right? You're always going to encounter those people. But I don't expect to deal with it with everybody like for it to sort of be the overlaying thing that is there like it's not like this is a new facility it's not like everybody there is new to blind people and never like we're the first blind people to come through here like so obviously they don't know anything about us yet uh and i i I was aware of this again low level irritation for me like this is an irritating thing to have to deal with here but okay whatever i'll do what i need to do i don't think i realized how 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 much that low level irritation was actually more so low level stress as opposed to just a irritant uh and, and the best way for me to try to describe the difference there is like you're walking down the street and you get a little you know you step somewhere and some gravel or something a little rock pops up into your shoe but then you're all of a sudden crossing the street. You're not going to stop in the middle of the street to get right. that rock out. You're going to wait till you get to a spot where you can comfortably stop, take off your shoe and get that, that rock out. That's you're going to know it's there the whole time. Yeah, you're going to know it's there, but you're not going to you know, make a big deal because you're not standing on it. It's just like right there up against the back of your, your, your Achilles heel or something. Like You mm-hmm. feel that it's there, but it's not rubbing anything. You're not stomping on it. So as soon as you can, you're going to stop and get rid of it. As opposed to you know something's in your shoe or you know something doesn't feel right, but you're actually standing on said rock and it's like jabbing you in the bottom mm. of the foot and hey, you're leaving bloody footprints behind you, but you don't realize that until you actually stop to get it out of your shoe and you're like, oh, I, I thought it was stuck here, but it was actually stuck yeah. here and I'm bleeding. Yeah. So that that was a part of the buildup. Uh, I think just like you said, uh, 
you know, sensory overload with, with that that register situation, like really got to me for some reason Wednesday morning. Like it, it just seriously, I, I don't know what made it so terrible. I was trying to adjust volume on the phone, doing all sorts of stuff. And like it just really got to me. Uh, and, and, you know, looking at the bare facts of how much effort I'm putting in and how much it's costing me as an individual to be on this campus. Right. It's costing me in a lot of ways. It's costing me time away from my family. It is costing me in business because I'm not able to pursue any business. I'm barely, and I say barely, like I'm barely keeping up with the bare minimums I need to do for my business to keep it afloat, to to at least justify the the monthly subscriptions that people are paying me. Um, I'm not able to pursue any new business. I'm not able to work on things that I want to work on because I don't have the time or the energy to do it. So it's costing me there. It's costing me financially because I spend money out of my pocket to eat and not to go do Domino's or, you know, Subway or, or, or uh, American Deli or whatever. Like it's to go to Walmart and buy sandwich meat and bread and cheese. Which is just the essentials. It's not really what you need, but it's what you need to to to, to be able to survive. Right. Like it's costing me a crazy amount of money just to barely survive and to be, you know, not even comfortable, but just sustainable there. And it is very frustrating. And I look forward and it's like, man, I got like four more months of this shit. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's a tough, it's a tough place to be in because you, you also see the end results and know the potential of what could be there and what it could turn into. But still, you got four more months. And I imagine one of the more frustrating things is you have four more months of doing the same thing that you've been doing for the last two months. I'm sure you're learning new things, but there's probably still a lot of this repetitive stuff that for some individuals makes sense to have to do, but you're not going to go into a cafe, for example. Your your plans aren't to to run your own uh, cafe or, or organization inside of a building. It's to run some machines. So why couldn't you cut down that training material to just focus on what you need to do? But then I, I also imagine that their program set up the way it is for a reason. Yep. You hit the nail on the head for me and, and other people like they, we look at it that way. Cause I don't have the plans to do any of that stuff. Um, and you know, fairly enough, I'm, I'm not really pushing a bit, I'm not necessarily pushing back against the training itself and the way it's structured because it is a little bit more, it's more sensible than what I'm aware of in other cases. Uh, you know, three, four weeks of classroom work to learn how you're supposed to input numbers and, and stuff like that for your business. So you could turn in your, your necessary paperwork to, to BEP or to your BEP rep and the sorts of rules that you have to, the rules and, and policies of uh, any any BEP program in a given state. And then a couple of weeks here and there with some vendors working in their facility or on their route with them. Uh, and then you're done, right? Which in a lot of ways, hey, that's a whole lot much shorter time. Right, right. But on the flip side, like, you know, the, the, I, I have seen the outcomes of those sorts of trainings as well so there there's ups and downs and, and, and it, you know as i explained to somebody like there's ups and downs with it any way you look at it you know going to college is like well there's a lot of stuff i feel like i wasted my time on in college i i time am 42 years old <laughs> you know i have never 
from the time I stepped away from college up until this point ever lost money, not made some potential money or or been looked over for something because I could not write a a college level term paper. Why? Because I didn't choose to go into a field that required me to do any of that. You mean you 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 didn't lose money because you couldn't citate those in the proper formats? <laughs> right? Like no, not at all. Because I didn't choose to go into a field that required that. Exactly. Uh, um, so, you know, Wednesday was a, it was a make or break point for me, uh, in all honesty, because I really did. And I, when I walked out the back door, like if uh, I say this and I say this in all honesty, if I would have known that sidewalk went on for a good mile, I would have kept walking and kept walking until I couldn't walk no more. I also knew when the sidewalk was going to run out. So I didn't choose to do that. I'd made a right turn and walked around the campus for a bit. Uh, just to kind of clear my head. And and I re- that's when I started to realize that the sensory overload was actually happening. And it's funny how things can be happening and you're dealing with them and you manage to cope with them, but not really see what the root of the problem is. So you're mitigating the results without solving the problem. And in this case, with the register, the sensory overload was really driving me nuts. But I wasn't realizing that that's what the problem was. I just thought it was just the stress of dealing with the noise and trying to hear this little tablet with its slow voice because I can't speed up the speech either. So, you know, Mm, mm, mm. that would drive me crazy. Can't speed up the speech. That is ridiculous. Can't speed it up. Can't turn it up. Uh. You know, Square is all about that accessibility, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do the bare minimum. Uh, but ultimately where I came out on the other side of that after taking some time and thinking about it is one, I need to shift. I needed to shift my perspective uh, a bit, not necessarily my perspective, but my attitude a little bit. I need to reframe things. Right. And and take a step back and look at this for what this actually is. This is something that I have to do to accomplish a task that I want to accomplish. It is no different from spending, say, four months in a coding class to learn to write javascript or python or php or whatever like i gotta put in the work if i want to learn how to do it you know it's no different than reading documentation on a piece of software to figure out how it works or reading a tutorial on you know migrating to the new ubuntu server like it's no different than that with the exception that yeah this actually cost me more money than it than it you know should be yeah uh and i still got to figure out something for that that problem um but other than that, like there's an ultimate goal and I need to focus on that goal. What I don't need to do is because I went into this with the year of connections. Remember the year of connections? Mm-hmm. Still the year of connections. Yeah. But I reframed that a little bit to tear. At least in my mind, it was always sort of a fluent thing that connections didn't necessarily always have to pertain to connecting with people. Um, and, you know, I started making connections in my brain as to why am I so frustrated? Why am I angry? Why do I want to leave? What is going on? Um, so those connections, a lot of those connections came together for me. So they were, they were more mental connections that happened on Wednesday. Um, and one of those was that I approached this completely wrong because I came into this feeling like I needed to attempt to, as a part of my year connections, but also as a part of something that's valuable for me to do as a vendor, uh, to be able to expand that business is try to be more sociable. So here's a perfect opportunity while I'm trapped on this campus for six months to work on my social skills with a wide ranging, wide range of different people 
from different backgrounds with different capabilities, um, differing levels of intelligence, etc. But, you know, that's kind of been a little bit of a cognitive load to be dealing with, too, man. And, you know, I ain't got to do none of that. Sh- yes. Yeah. yeah. You just got to. You, connecting with yourself is important too and i think this has been a good opportunity to for you looking at it from an outsider's perspective for you to be able to figure out what are my limits where where am i i'm not 30 years old anymore and i i don't have i don't have the energy slash stamina that maybe i thought i initially had had um because that's something you've learned over the last two months oh it's already been two i can't believe february is almost over I know, right? Like that—that's the thing. It, it feels like it went by super fast, but also on another level, it's like, man, really? Like I still got four months. Like God, yeah, yeah. Man. When you're in the middle of it, things are just dragging on. But when you look back, it's like, oh, we're already a quarter of the way through 2024, almost. Uh huh. Almost coming up on new Apple announcements. Hopefully, in the next couple of months, I, I hope. Uh, yeah. New products, man. But yeah, there, there's there's that aspect of it that and also really realizing like I, I knew going into this that this is not going to be an easy process to deal with. Uh, I knew there's going to be a lot of work involved in just the BEP training itself. Uh, but again, you know, health. This is where wearing an Apple Watch. I think I said this last episode, too, but this is where having an Apple Watch and having been wearing an Apple Watch for the better part of six-ish years at this point um, has rendered some interesting findings for me, one of which is the fact that like, I have doubled, hmm. in some cases nearly tripled, my average daily steps, my average daily calorie burn. And this is without me going down to the gym and working out. This is just every day being on my feet for eight, nine hours a day just constantly on the move. Like I'm burning at minimum, almost two and a half times my average of uh, calories, you know, getting two and a half times, three times as many steps uh, as I was getting. And it's not to say I wasn't doing anything because I at least usually on a, on a decent average day, probably closed or got very close to closing two of my three rings, always close to staying ring most of the time. Would typically hit well, probably not two or three rings. I'm thinking step count goals. Uh, I would usually hit my step count goal or whatever in the course of a day. Probably wouldn't get the exercise minutes and uh, calorie burn. I would be somewhere between fifty to seventy five percent of that, just depending on how active I was on a given day. Uh, but even on a day where you know I'm not running around all over the place, uh, we're we're mostly in this contained area. I'm still you know, doubling what my default calorie uh, burn wow. was, right? That's and, that's a lifestyle change right there for sure. On top of the food and on top of the stress, I, I imagine it all comes together. You yeah, get a week I, off here pretty soon though, don't you? Get a week off at the end of March. Now, I did come home this weekend. So um, I told you this, the listeners didn't know this. So I actually decided on Wednesday that, you know, I'm just going to, I reframe things and like, okay, I got to make some changes and I got to make some not drastic changes, but significantly important changes if I'm going to survive this. Cause otherwise the, the stress is going to overload and it ain't going to be good. Like the, the end results of that are not going to be good. What, what 
<laughs> the results of whatever I do ain't going to be good. What am I going to do? I don't know yet. Right. But, but it's not going to be the good. result ain't going to be good. So I need to readjust that before it happens. Do I want to walk out of the program? No, I really don't. But if I want to stay, that means I need to make some adjustments. Um, diet wise, I got to figure out something about that because I think that has been having a worse effect on me than I realize because I'm not starving. When I say I'm not starving, like I'm not constantly hungry. I'm not, you know, any, but I think what, what has happened is that I've been eating a fairly balanced diet for so long. And now that diet, that, that balance is gone. Mm -hmm. So I'm suffering for it in different minor little ways that I don't notice. Uh, that could be having a negative impact on my sleep, for example, not just an uncomfortable bed, but hey, you're not getting this and that. One of the reasons I may be feeling cold more than I normally would is because maybe I'm not getting enough iron because, hey, when's the last time you had a decent piece of beef? I have no idea. Uh, so Did you eat one last night? No, I didn't. Uh. I got back too late to you know, put in my barbecue order, but I did get eat something today. I'm probably going to grab some stuff from this barbecue place because I did not get the barbecue either, which I, I I think, I don't know if I told you this or somebody else. I was like, man, I'm probably going to go home and spend a stupid amount of money on a brisket just so I can smoke it. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, I ain't got the energy to do it, man. I'm not going to lie as much as I want it. So probably going to stop by the barbecue place or something on the way back tomorrow. Uh, that being Sunday at the time we were recording, uh, if you're hearing this on Monday. So I went back the day before you got this. Unless you're a, a, a char, maybe you're going back on the day that you no, get this. I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be headed back at the time that you get your download. Probably, uh, what does time know? mean anymore? <laughs> uh, but I'll probably stop and grab a, a, a you know, pound of brisket, pound of turkey from the barbecue place and take that back uh, and figure out something. Uh, and I'm going to go have some very forceful, not forceful, uh, very demonstrative conversations with some people, too. Uh, because, you know, I don't really care if I offend you. I don't at this point. I don't like it, it's a I need to make it through this program because that gives me another stream of revenue that I, I you know, I would be stupid to give it up. Uh, considering the fact that once I'm getting it, it's not going to be that difficult to maintain. It's more work now trying to get the piece of paper that says I graduated the class and am now a licensed vendor in the state of Alabama than I think it's going to be for me to actually run the vending side of things once I'm out. Because yeah. again, I'm not looking to run up the ladder in BEP. I'm not trying to, my ultimate, I don't have my eyes on a cafeteria on a military base. Just want me a decent little vending route with some machines and I right. would like for it to be local ish to where I'm living so I can also extend that business a little bit to uh, drop some vending machines in some private locations around here. And that, that's about it. Like I'm not trying to take over the world with vending. And and it's not your only it shouldn't be your only stream of income. And in a lot of cases, I imagine that the vending program is the only stream of income for for some people. So the the prospects of growth is is different for you than what others might have to rely on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's one of the failings of the program itself, too, is that they're not geared for people. Uh, honestly, like, I don't really think anybody in this particular class um, is I don't think the program is geared for us necessarily, because there is a lot of considerations that should be taken into account that aren't taken into account. Uh we as BEP students. Microphone. Oh, microphone move. I was, <laughs> I was trying to wind up the cable and I yanked the microphone around. Uh, yeah, I realized it because I ain't hear myself. 
monitoring is amazing when you got it. When, when you can it. do it, yep. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So to repeat what I was saying, I, I think there's a lot of uh, affordances and adjustments that they don't consider for BEP students coming into that program. Oftentimes you may have a younger person that is okay with the crappy food. Uh, and I say crappy in the sense of like, it's crappy to me as a person, but I also think box macaroni and cheese is crappy. So let's, let's put that in perspective. The food there isn't the worst. I've yeah, damn it. I just moved by itself. The food there isn't exactly the worst that you're going to find anywhere in the world or anywhere in the U S and in the civilized uh, parts of the world. But for me, it is a major step down in, in diet because I don't eat a lot of canned pre-processed stuff. Uh, I, I ha- and I haven't for over 20 years. Like that, that's the thing. It's not like this is a recent health kick for me. Oh, the past five years, I started trying to eat more healthy. I've always been, from the entire time me and Tia have been together, like I've not eaten much of anything that was pre-processed or, or came out of a package. Uh, it's fresh vegetables, it's fresh fruits. Uh, you know, I've even cut back personally. My, and these are all things I did myself. Like I didn't have any sort of major health. I was trying to avoid a major health crisis. I've been trying to avoid a major health crisis since I ate some pork sausage 15, 16 this years ago and got lightheaded. And I was like, nope, uh-uh, we ain't going yep, on this path. We're high blood pressure. Nope, we're good. So let's start winding off of this stuff before it becomes a problem, which is why I don't eat pork. It's not for religious reasons. It's because I would consume a lot of it because I really do like ribs. Uh, and that was the last thing I gave up in 2014. But uh, for the entire time of me and Tia have been together, like the only thing I can think of that I ate, it came out of a package typically and I haven't eaten that in a while. It used to be the Stouffer's lasagna because it used to be really good. Mm. And then it got bad. I don't know what mm. they did, but they changed it. So uh, that went away. So it's, you know, fresh homemade lasagna is what I eat. Like we ain't making the noodles from scratch. Let's not be, you know, ridiculous. But, uh, you know, most stuff is, is a little cut above of what they're serving there because they're serving cafeteria style food like you would serve at a at a school or you would serve in a prison because they have a lot of people to feed and a limited budget in which to feed them people. I completely understand where they're at. The problem is my stomach ain't digesting 98% of the crap that they run through there. Like, I'm, and I'm just being honest, like I end up sick. Uh and you don't got hug. time to end up sick right now because you got to keep nah. up with everything else. Nah, nah, I can't, can't afford to be sick like that. That would be awful. So, you know, there, there's, there's that aspect of it that, you know, again, that that's a difference. Like some people are going to have problems with that diet. Some people aren't, I, I believe, and I'm going to, I believe that is the reason some people have gotten sick that have had to um, go home is because they came there and started just going to the cafeteria just eating the food I'm like oh it tasted okay yeah but you don't realize what you're putting in your body you ain't been putting that stuff in your body and now you are so there's that aspect i'm not a medicine taker i don't want to become a medicine taker uh so you know i, I avoid things i feel like are going to force me to take medicine if i can take a healthier alternative to it other affordances I don't feel like that are made for us coming through the program as BEP students is we don't follow any of these schedules that the rest of the students that are there for AT or whatever follow. I think I probably said this on the show before, so I won't beat that to death. But essentially, 
we're basically on that campus because that's where they chose to locate the BEP training facility. They could have dropped it anywhere else in Alabama and, you know, the effects would be the same. Like nothing about the only thing Gentry being on that campus provides is a location for us to live and a already existing, some already existing infrastructure for uh, housing and uh, food. Right. That, that's essentially the only difference there. Right. Uh, otherwise, we're, we're completely outside of everything else. But we're not really treated that way outside of the BEP classroom, which is also a frustrating fact. Um, you know, my day starts over there at BEP. We're between six and six forty five. Like I'm usually trying to get over there between six six fifteen and six forty five, depending on whether I'm cooking that day for breakfast or not. Mm. Uh, but. So this is, and, and at minimal, we got to be there by seven. Uh, I just try to be a little early so I can make sure everything's got started off right, this got turned on, et cetera, so we're ready to go. Um, but every morning I get over there early, you know, even for my fellow student who lives on campus, every day both of us get over there before seven o'clock, we got to call the teacher to come open the door for us because students, for some reason, can't get into that particular building before seven o'clock with their little key cards. Uh, yeah, that 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 I imagine is frustrating. You've you've brought that up a time or two. How irritating that is! And, Man, it's irritating. And really, they could fix it, but no one's given it the foresight to make that happen. So I did put in a request because I said I was. I think I said this in the last show. I'm gonna start talking to people about trying to fix some of the things that are bothering me. So I did put in a request with a lady uh, that I think can, if anybody can make it happen, she'll make it happen. But I did put in a request with her for that as well as a couple of other things when it comes to us having access to different locations that we need access to uh, because either this is where we're being taught at or this is where machines are that we have to actually go service. So be nice if I have to borrow the teacher's key card to get into that door over there. Uh, makes no sense to me. Yeah, what does that say about your security organization? Just saying. I mean, you shouldn't. Anyways. I mean, on the one hand, the security is pretty decent because not any student can walk into certain places, which makes sense because, you know, as a student, you don't have you don't need to walk into buildings on that campus over there at Helen Keller because you don't have any business over there. Makes perfect sense. But, but if as you have a to borrow your student, teacher's card to get into somewhere, where else can you get into with that teacher's Right. Card? See, here's that. There, there's that whole thing, right? Like you're you're introducing a risk that you shouldn't be introducing because what if I was the type that, you know, knew how to clone her card, for example. Mm. I have a copy of her card I'm walking around with. Just for the record, I have no idea how to do that. And even if I did, I don't have the equipment to do so. But point being, the equipment exists. And I'm pretty sure these aren't, clone resistant cars because they're basically RFID cars that you tap on a reader and you, it opens the door. So, I mean, it can't be all that hard <laughs> to clone it. Uh, people still cloning credit cards out here. So, uh, keep that in mind. But yeah, yeah your, your point is taken well though. Like if I have that card, what else could I do? Uh, you know, there's a level of trust there, but at the same time, like I shouldn't have to borrow her card because what if an emergency comes up and now she ain't got her card? She run out the door. She's like, oh, I can't. And this has actually happened, not necessarily an emergency, but she stepped out the door for something and then realized she couldn't get back uh, in. Yeah. Yeah. Because she ain't have her key card to open the door. So now she's calling people to come open the door for her. Shouldn't be that way. It's all no. I'm saying. So I've been filling out a form. We've kind of hinted on it throughout the last couple of episodes. And now I'm finally at the point where I think I'm actually going to submit it. My goal is 
by mid of next week. So my goal is to get this form submitted by the middle of next week. I've been working with a job developer and it's been a good experience. Um, she has really made me think differently. So I had generically some information like, um, uh, worked with customers on about 57 different products and provided support. That was my generic. And she came back to me and said, what products? And why do you need to provide support for them? Like, well, um, Aftershocks headphones and Bluetooth speakers and uh, folding keyboards. And I need to provide support because the documentation might not be the best. And because people have questions about how they can perform different tasks with these devices. And she said, put that in because it demonstrates the fact that you're able to figure technology out and you're able to translate that to explain it to other individuals. And to me, I think generically uh, a lot of times I think about, you know, Oh, I can do this. I can, I can help teach how to use the blind shell. She goes, well, what's the blind shell? Like, well, the blind shell's a, a phone for blind individuals. It's a feature-rich push-button phone is how I ended up describing it in my phone in my form. She said, you need to explain that because when this is going in front of, we thought it was a group of people, come to find out it's one person, but when this goes in front of the people who are interested in, should we assign Michael a contract because he wants to work with individuals throughout the state of Oregon to provide access technology instruction, um, should we we assign this to Michael, we don't want them to ask questions. We want them to say, oh, that's what Michael can do. We want all of their questions to be answered. So I have been more in depth, which means that this form has taken me a lot longer than I really wanted to. And let's be fully transparent. I've procrastinated it a bit too. I'm, I'm going to be honest with that. Uh, I, I pushed it off probably by about three weeks than when I could have had it done. Um, but I'm finally at the point where I'm ready to I have one thing I need to finish filling out, and I'm going to do that tomorrow after I get done editing this show, um, and then I'm going to email it over to the job developer tomorrow, and then she's going to look it over, and then we'll uh, go through and get it submitted to the proper team, and as I said, hopefully that'll be done by Wednesday. I also have to go to my sam.gov account, and... Mm, I'm a little frustrated, because apparently I set up a 2FA for my sam.gov account, but I don't have that 2FA code anywhere. Like, I, I don't got it anywhere, and I don't know where it went. I looked in iCloud. I looked in KeyPass. I looked in 1Password, and it is nowhere. So in order to delete your SAM.gov account to recreate it, um, because that's the procedure, there's no alternative way to get into your account, you have to request to delete the account, uh, wait 24 hours, and then click the link to con that they'll email you in 24 hours to confirm that you actually want to delete it, and then you can create your account right away. So going through that process has taken a little bit of time, and it's taught me, hey, Michael, procrastination is what you do, but procrastination can also cause you uh, longer delays to get stuff done than what you had thought about when you were procrastinating. So maybe you shouldn't have procrastinated as long. Uh, but getting this going, uh, hopefully that'll turn into a, my goal with that is to turn into another stream of income um, in the next 60 days because um, I kind of really think that I need to figure that out. Um, and yeah, get that taken care of, and then we will report back on how that experience goes as much as I can. Uh, I will say I'm, I need to talk to some people because 
in order to do this form, I have to fill out a, a 49 page Microsoft Word document. And that sounds like a lot, but really it's a lot of requirements, a lot of rules, a lot of just documentation. And then you fill out your information on pages 11 through 14 or something like that. Like it's, it's ridiculous. And I'm thinking, man, why couldn't this be like a gravity form, for example, that I could just fill out and, and have all these details as downloads and stuff. Um, but that's the process of that. And I will share more about that when, uh, the process goes through. I've had a, I've had a couple of people tell me it's not worth the time and energy you're putting in for this project because you're not, you're going to be promised all these clients, but you're not going to get any. And that for a little while was a bit discouraging. And I, I did bring that up to the job developer on Friday when we were talking and she's like, Michael, I understand where you're coming from, but you need to take a step back and look at the, the individuals that are telling you that and realize, first of all, they're telling you that from their experiences back in 2018, 2019, and things are a lot different than they were back then, especially with the openness to providing remote instruction, because back then remote instruction was, oh, you want to do what? Now remote instruction is, okay, we can we can work with that. So that's, that's something that I struggled with a little bit, and I think that helped in my procrastination because I have people on my left shoulder saying, oh, you should do this. Uh, get this done. We really want to work with you. This would be an awesome experience for you. Then I have people on my right shoulder saying, uh, I wouldn't waste my time with that. That was a bad experience when I tried that. And uh, you got to kind of take yourself out of that situation and say, what is it right for me? And what do I actually want to achieve with my goals? And uh, in order to achieve my goals, I need to start getting some paperwork done and get this actually moving. So that's been this last couple of weeks of me. Uh, we're doing a lot of podcast content. Um, I was actually supposed to record a show today. Uh, well, a segment of a show today, but I took a nap this afternoon and slept a heck of a lot longer than I thought. Uh, I texted Demasi. I'm like, we're going to, I'm going to be closer to nine year time. I actually think I got here about the time I normally do, maybe five minutes later. Um, because I'm like, yeah, I, I took a longer than expected nap. So that's been lately what's going on here. Uh, and yeah, speaking of naps. Lost. What? Speaking of, I was speaking of naps, you know, uh, yeah. I have to get those in too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we both bought some new equipment. Yeah, man. Why Mine will be here this? Tuesday. Yours will be to you on Wednesday, Thursday. Mm, so it's slated to be delivered on Wednesday. Given the way stuff typically works there, I will probably get it in my hands on Thursday, possibly Friday. Uh, because uh, this stuff goes through a central uh, receiving department and then someone from down in the dorm has to go over to pick up the mail every day. And depending on what time FedEx delivers, if it's after that person goes over there Wednesday, I absolutely ain't getting it until Thursday. Uh, but I have also figured out that postal service delivery seem to get to you a whole lot faster out there than anything else does. Ah, good to know. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, so we both bought, you alluded to this last week, and then shortly after we start recording, uh, 
I think, wait, did you tell me what you bought? No, I don't think you had actually told yeah. me what you bought. Yeah, did we you? ended up talking about it because we were alluding to it. And then we started talking more about it. And then I'm like, okay, fine. So I'll tell you what I bought. Uh, but it's for those who didn't hear the Zoom H1E. Yeah, so Zoom has, so let's make sure we're specific here. Because in this case, specificity does matter. Yes. Zoom H1E, oh, maybe that's what the E stands for, Essentials. Yep. The Zoom Essentials H1 or something like that. That's what you're looking for. It has to have Zoom and Essentials in the uh, name of it, though. Don't buy the Zoom H1. Don't don't just buy that because it's not the thing we're talking about. Uh, but Zoom has actually updated their entire line of H1 recorders. I don't actually know what the difference is or was between the H and the F series of things not important for this conversation but that h line has been updated so there's the one there's the four and there's the six uh and apparently the, the one is coming out first uh michael was alluding to that last week today ordered it um and i put in an order for mine today through z sounds and took advantage of their little payment plan uh just to make sure I, you know, blow the bank. Wasn't all mm-hmm. that expensive. Don't want to overstretch bucks. yourself. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's actually cheaper than what the Vocaster one was, brand new. Yeah, I don't uh, want to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm giving a point of reference for the listeners. <laughs> we're, we're not. <laughs> we're not talking about where the prices are currently for the uh, Vocaster line of products because yeah i really don't want to talk about that but at any rate uh the one major thing that zoom has done here is something that i've been hoping somebody would eventually get around to doing which is we have these powerful devices and the only thing that keeps us from using them or the only thing that absolutely keeps me from using them is i'm not going to try to remember press this menu button three times press down four times do all of that uh in order to use something like the uh, what is that thing everybody likes to pod track uh, yeah. from Zoom uh, or other devices out there like that? Well, the Zoom Essentials line will actually have a built-in uh, talking um, menu. Mm-hmm. So, and the nice thing about it is when you first take your unit out of the box and turn it on and there's a good uh, conversation and some demo uh on Jonathan Mosin's, what is that show? The Blind Podmaker. The Blind Podmaker. Yeah, I think it's episode 37, but he has a great interview with, with uh, Sam. One of the, one, yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to try to remember his name. I was trying to remember what his job was at Zoom. But anyway, he's a product guy at Zoom, uh, Samuel, apparently. Uh, good conversation about how they got there, how much effort they put into making this work. Uh, and one of the cooler things that came out of that interview is the fact that when you first turn your unit on after taking it out of the box, uh, you have to determine then whether you want to use the speech or not, which means it's on by default. And as a, I don't need this person, you have to actually turn it off versus the other way we're used to stuff, which is, mm-hmm. oh, I got to turn this on. How do I turn uh, and, it on? I don't remember what to press. Yeah, or let's hope nobody has done part of the setup and now that little shortcut no longer works to turn it on anymore because they've gone halfway through the menu structure of getting it set up. So that option is now gone, uh, which happens sometimes with Android phones particularly. Uh, but so very nice. Uh, the the it, it is fairly basic in the sense that like, I don't think you have any ability to adjust. Do you remember? Do you have the ability to adjust the speed you of do the not. voice? Okay, I didn't think so. So there's not any voice adjustments or anything like that. However, 
I think it is a good first step. And as was mentioned in the interview, like there are features they can add. But again, it's better to get a product out. I think what they have released with is solid enough. A um, couple of features he, I think he did mention is the ability to uh, adjust the, the, the speed of the voice is coming as well as a easy way to toggle it on and off. Yes. Um, but uh, and it also has a built in speaker. So if you don't have headphones, but you're trying to capture some recordings around you, uh, you're able to navigate it without having headphones plugged in. Once you start recording, the voice goes away. So, you know, familiarize yourself with the buttons. But it sounds pretty cool. Uh, I- I'm excited because Zoom's recorders, one, have always been very popular amongst a lot of people, including podcasters that travel or mm-hmm. want something to have to travel with them. So they're not lugging their main piece of equipment or breaking down their system. Uh, and it also provides the opportunity to get some pretty high quality recordings. Uh, I'm excited because, hey, it has a 32-bit float. So you yes. don't have to worry about clipping yes, that, at all. That's the way to tell when you're looking at the Zoom, if you're interested in this and you, you're like, I don't see an E. If you see that it has 24-bit, then that is not the one you want. You want the one that has 32-bit float in the description too. If for some reason you don't see the E. So we're going to make it easy to and drop a link in the show notes. Uh, this yep. will probably, if he still has it, be Michael's Zounds affiliate link um, to get you over there to it. But hey, go pick it up there. The H1 uh, is shipping now. Um, and I the think four the, and six are mid-March. Uh, okay. I know for for sure the six was mid-March. I assumed the four was going to be somewhere around in that range as well, because I initially put in an order for the six uh, at Sweetwater because I was like, hey, it gives me multi-track, which was a downside. And Mike reminded me that I did apparently say this on the show after I bought the Portcaster. I was like, now watch, as soon as I get past the point that I can return the Portcaster, somebody's going to release something that does multi-track recording on an SD card locally, because that was one of the things I did not like about the Portcaster. I do like the fact that it has a bunch of physical buttons and knobs and switches. Like, I like that. Always will prefer that. But um, I'm also not a Luddite, and I realize the world is going where the world is going. I just want to make sure that we're included. And Zoom has done the first step there, uh, which I'm excited about. And also, uh, my forecasting came true, which is, you know, I'm well past the point of being able to return that <laughs> forecaster. Hey, here's Zoom with a thing, and it does multi-track, too. Yep. It's like you. <laughs> and gives me more inputs if I buy the four or the six. Now, wow. Okay. One cool awesome. thing about the this Zoom line of products, and I didn't realize this until I listened to Jonathan's podcast. And, Demasi, I just dropped you a message. It's a 30-minute Patrick Perdue audio that I mentioned in Slack. So if you haven't heard it, I downloaded that locally so I could listen to it. Um, and it's Patrick unboxing the uh the the h1e and he gives some initial impressions of it and gives some recording samples and stuff like that so it's it's not meant to be a tutorial it's a hey i got this now can i figure out how to use it and he hadn't even listened to the jonathan podcast so um pretty awesome to listen to i didn't realize that you can actually use this as your microphone on macOS and Windows. So that could be kind of cool. And it will record locally for you. So you have a backup recording. And anyone who listens to our show, especially after last week, knows that we are all about the uh, backup recordings. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think I knew it 
itself, like with the with the built in microphones on it, could be a microphone. I did know that you could connect it to a computer or a uh, smartphone or tablet and use it as an audio interface, which you know obviously makes it very interesting to me as well. Yeah, it does run on batteries. I don't think it actually has any sort of power. Does not direct, does it? Okay, but it does run on batteries, which you know. Another hope here is it won't be the battery sucker that this uh, Vocaster is. Mm. Mm. I hadn't really thought about that, but that could be true. Um, and it has a physical mute button on it. It's either the play or the record button. I think it's the play button. When you plug it into USB, it turns into a mute button. Oh, well, see, that is, I would assume it would probably be the play button because you want to be able to hit the record button to record your backup recording. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so, so I think it's the play button that turns into a mute unmute button. Yeah, but I am super excited about this. Uh, I actually chatted with Tamir, our, I'm assuming that's still your Sweetwater rep. Uh, I chatted with him the other day about it because I was like, because I was looking at the H6. And for anybody listening, one of the reasons I particularly was looking at the H6E is because, uh, well, one, there's four inputs for microphones, four XLR ports for microphones. You can buy at some point. I don't think that's going to be available necessarily at release. Uh, but a different modules where you can swap out the built the the default kind of XY microphone configuration that they have built into the unit with the six only. Uh, you'll be able to swap those out for different configurations, including including an add-on that'll give you another two XLR inputs. Uh, I think there's going to be some kind of shotgun mic attachment you can switch to. Uh, but I was primarily interested in it for the multiple inputs as well as the ability to do multi-track recordings. Um, whether on the go with the unit in, in standalone mode or as an audio interface, uh, because then I could resume doing my uh, remote backups of mic uh, without it being too taxing on the Internet, I think. Uh, when I'm not at home. Hey, I'm at home, though. Got decent Internet, apparently. But it's it still been glitching, too. Nothing has glitched out yet. Uh, but uh, very interested in this and in chatting with Tamir about it. Uh, he's like, yeah, man, he's like, I'm, 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 I'm excited. He, he's excited that they're doing this. And he, he it, one reason that me and Michael have talked about Tamir before at Sweetwater, uh, we both buy from Sweetwater as well as these hours kind of depends on what we're looking for and who has it and what money looks like and whether or not we yep. need eight payments for that thing or, you know, we can get by with six. Or three. <laughs> I, I tend to buy cables from Sweetwater more, mainly because I get free candy with my cables. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I buy stuff. Uh, I, I don't think I really necessarily, I think I have bought, I don't think I bought any cables from Z-Sounds, actually. Uh, but I know I bought uh, different stuff from Z-Sounds, different stuff from Sweetwater. I usually will go to Z-Sounds first. Uh, to see if they have a thing just because uh, they will give me, you know, several months of payments if I need to do that. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times what I'm looking for, like the, the last microphone that I purchased uh, was not available at Zizal. So I had no choice but to go through Sweetwater um, to get that microphone. But I did want it. And it's nice. It's glorious. And I hadn't got to use it in th- th- three months almost. Uh, but it was a super nice microphone. Nobody could probably tell the difference itself for me and possibly Mike, but I still liked it. 
but in talking with Tamir, he mentioned it, we've had these conversations several times over the years when it comes to a lot of the more modern-ish audio interfaces that are out there with screens of some sort, whether it's a touchscreen or a you know menu-driven navigation deal uh, with buttons about the accessibility. And he's routinely said this said this to me over the years, like he's had conversations with different uh, engineers and people at different companies uh over the time because he has you know quite a few of us uh blind audio gearheads uh in his ear all the time about this stuff about them building this sort of thing in uh so the fact that zoom has done it zoom being the i don't know if powerhouse is the right word but being such a well-known brand and the fact that this has accessibility built in being splashing everybody's uh, description of it. So if you look at these houses, it's, it's mentioned in the uh, description of the product there. It's mentioned on Sweetwater's site. It's mentioned on Amazon site. Uh, so I imagine it's everywhere else. Hopefully, because Zoom is not some small, unknown, relatively unknown company, but yet kind of a standard in field recorders out there. Uh, hopefully this will open up other people's eyes and get them on the path to saying, hey, this is something we should consider doing for our next lineup of products. And to be fair, Focusrite has also been paying more attention to accessibility since their release of the Vocaster. I think the current generation of uh, Scarlet's uh, has their 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 software on the computer has some built in uh, has has accessibility in mind so you're able to actually navigate it with a screen reader not sure how good that actually is but given the way vocaster hub works on mac os uh unfortunately i cannot get it to run in windows uh in a virtual machine excuse me yes, just in a virtual machine uh, i've heard demonstrations of it in windows uh but i haven't been able to do that myself but given the accessibility of that i imagine that the focus right software uh the scarlet software is probably equally as usable so at least we're starting to see some progress, but Zoom doing this, I think, is even bigger than what Vo what Focusrite has done because this is a stand this, this is a standalone device. You could use this just to record with the built-in XY mics, or you could plug in a XLR microphone or a lav mic, uh, or use it as an audio interface. So having that flexibility in what you're able to do with this device and as you scale up the number of inputs you're able to have, you're also getting multi-track recording, uh, et cetera, I think is, is huge. And as I mentioned it to Mirror, you know, hopefully those guys over there with their super expensive interfaces that I still would buy if they were accessible, uh, sound devices will, will sit up and take note, uh, in addition to some of the other companies out there. Yep. Uh, we will only see. One more feature I do want to mention that's specific to the H1 E, uh, and it's not available at the moment in the H4 or the H6 is the ability to do overdubbing. Um, and if I'm describing this, if I'm from thinking about this right, this is sort of like doing a take in Reaper, sort of like you need to record yourself in over something because it got screwed up or something like that. Is that kind of That's what overdubbing would be? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so interesting that that is there. Uh, and I'm also interested in evaluating this for other reasons. So it's absolutely a work expense. Yes. Yes, sir. Certainly is. And it'll be interesting to see. Um, how it fits into our workflows. I already see a couple of places where I think it's going to flow. Um, I'm looking at you live stream of a board meeting in April that I'll be doing. 
uh, with these Gemini microphones. Speaking of cables, I need to go buy some cables from Sweetwater so I can uh, play with this uh, Gemini mic setup. That's my- oh yeah, the wireless lav mic. So that yeah, that's right because that is one XLR input to the interface, right? It is uh, two XLR outputs, one for each mic, or a quarter inch output, which has a combination of both mics. Gotcha. So I need to get a quarter inch to XLR male, which I swear I have around here. You you know how that can be. You you know you have this cable. You just don't know where it is. Like I I know I purchased it when I was doing my weird loopback issues with the Soundcraft. So I know I have this cable somewhere. I know I didn't sell it and I know I didn't throw it away. I just don't know where the hell it is. Uh, so I'm gonna go buy one uh, Tuesday. I'll buy it. And probably Wednesday or Thursday, I'll remember <laughs> where it is because that's how it works. Uh, well, you also, you know, hmm. I won't say that, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. There's possibilities with, you know, returns and whatnot yes. that, you know, you go up to the, you do what you should do and get one with multiple XLR inputs anyway because, you know, we all know what's going to happen. You're like, damn it, I should have gotten that one. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But the one is available soonest, which is why I also put my order in for one today. Uh, and hopefully we'll have it by the time we record next week. In fact, if I have it by the time we record next week, I'll use that because I'll be back at Gentry. That's funny because uh, I might use mine too week. because I'll be mobile this weekend too. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute. We might need to talk about that. Uh, we might not need to all, I I have some solutions because I did some math and I better not be out doing something at 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) (laughs) So translation of that for everybody listening, Mallory said to him, well, you should be fine recording your show because you shouldn't be out at eight, nine (laughs) o'clock at night doing something. Well, well, I, we would be recording if we kept a regular recording time at ten o'clock Eastern, which is where I'd be. So, where, where, where else would I be at oh, ten o'clock at night? So, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you are coming east. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So, but I reiterate my translation of that, Mallory. Said to him, <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> better not be out at ten o'clock at night um, on the East Coast. Not in that city. Right. Not. <laughs> so that's all I got this week. You got anything else or you want to wrap it up? I think that's it. I would like to thank our supporters, first and foremost, for continuing to subscribe to the tip jar. Hopefully you continue to do so and tell your friends they should also subscribe. So you're not the only one contributing because uh, we appreciate it uh, to every single one of you. And I think I have lost count of how many we actually have at this point. Um, also want to thank you, listener, if you're hearing this on Monday. We appreciate you, too, for listening because each listener is a download. And if you're downloading the show and listening, that means you're getting some value out of what we do. Uh, so thank you. And tell a friend. If you cannot contribute financially, you can contribute by sharing the word. So tell a friend to subscribe to Technically Working. Uh, you can contact us. Uh, feedback at technicallyworking.show and he's on Mastodon at Payon P-A-Y-O-W-N at unmute.community and I am Damasi D-A-M-A-S-H-E at unmute.community and we'll see you guys for episode 50 next week almost a year and we ain't missed a week yet (laughs) 
Don't jinx it. <laughs> well, I said yet. I didn't say yeah. we ain't going to miss yeah. it. Because we ain't missed one yet. And yeah. we have managed to keep it up. Uh, you know, now, you know, go back to DM show. I don't I think it might have been like year three. <laughs> we got to episode 50. <laughs> uh, and episode 50 was dramatically different from what episode one was. Yeah. That show. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 